0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com
1: B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B-Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca.
2: As a leader, what you could do to support your teachers is encourage them to think outside the box. And if that teacher really believes that what they're doing fits their teaching style and the culture in their classroom, let them give it a go. Because you may be very surprised at the potential that's there that you're missing out on.
0: Dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Bonnie Neves is a high school biology teacher with a master's degree in curriculum and instruction and educational leadership and is a member of the MassQ Board of Directors. She's passionate about creating immersive and authentic experiences that fuel curiosity and creating student-centered, culturally responsive learning spaces that promote equity and inclusion. Her upcoming book, titled Be Awesome on Purpose, focuses on practical classroom strategies to help teachers move towards student-centered teaching. I have to tell you, I I have a really quick story before I officially welcome Bonnie to the show, but we talk all the time at conferences. It's like an event whenever we see each other at a conference that we have to stop and talk in the hallway. And I remember the first time this ever happened, it was at MassQ and Bonnie came up to me and we ended up taking a selfie together that we could then put out on Twitter. And it was at Gillette at a MassQ conference one time. So I always have that as my my Gillette selfie moment with Bonnie, but um, we always have good conversations. I'm really excited to have her on the show today, so welcome, Bonnie.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Chris, for having me on. You are just a, an educational hero here in Massachusetts, and I I always look forward to the conversations that I have with you.
0: Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words that you said, but. Speaking of educational heroes, I want to ask you to take a moment and plug your book, your new book that's coming soon to a shelf near us titled Be Awesome on Purpose. I can't wait to get a copy in my hands.
2: Yeah, it is a book that I've been working on for a very long time. It's something that I, I didn't really intend to write, but then through a conversation with Sarah Thomas, who is just Amazing, Dr. Sarah Thomas over at EduMatch Publishing. We had a conversation in Voxer actually about what What's your story? Because that's that's the way she introduces people, or she um, gets to know people. And I told her, "Well, it's I was a kid that loved school, and through my high school years, I became disinterested, misbehaved, just." not a good student at all, and ended up being a teacher. And she said, that's an amazing story. You you need to tell that. How did you get from being all of those things to now a teacher who goes out of her way to create all these experiences for students? And I said, I don't create these experiences for students, I don't think. I think it's it's just a classroom everybody should have. And she said, well, yeah, you're right. It is the classroom every student should have, but it's not the classroom every student does have. So this, the book is the story of how I create the classroom that I wish I had when I was a 12 year old. And from my reflections every day as a teacher, looking back at my day, I figured out that there are just seven things that if I can address them, then... The classroom experience will be better if I can just get kids involved and increase their ownership and approach things from an abundance mindset where every kid is doing the best they can right now. And it's my job to help them do better. And every kid will do better if you give them time and support, which led to if you're giving kids time and support, why are you giving them grades? Um. And that's where we end up, right it It's the full circle. every conversation I have comes back to that you know you're and so this I digress always, but <laughs> this um this book is about how it's an it's a natural transition, no matter where you are in your teaching practice, you can jump on somewhere, one of these chapters will resonate with you, and if you follow it through, you will eventually see that going gradeless is the, the best thing for students and the most rewarding thing for you as a teacher.
0: That's awesome. And I, I have to give the book a plug. So anybody listening to this, as soon as this book comes out, it is a must read. I'm, the journey that you've gone through and what you're doing now in a class is really something to talk about. And I think that as we talk today... There are going to be a lot of things. And of course, it always goes back to the classroom. But as I try to make some of those connections about how leaders can better support their teachers and and of course, engage and empower their teachers, which your book brings people through the gamut of how to do that in a classroom, then I I think there's going to be a lot of value that you offer to leaders today.
2: And I, I can see that the thing that I learned through the process of writing the book is that. There are things that I wish I was able to do that I had to kind of do, you know, on the down low, right? My administrators <laughs> didn't always know these things were going on. And I was always open with parents and telling them, you know, we're 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 not doing that test. The the state tests, those are non-negotiable. Of course we're doing those. But classroom tests are off the table. They stress kids out for no good reason. And if kids need practice, taking tests, then we'll, we'll do those, but they, they won't count. They, it's just practice. And the, like I said, this all had to be really without the administration fully knowing what I was doing. So if I could say as a leader, what you could do to support your teachers is encourage them to think outside the box. And if that teacher really believes that what they're doing fits their teaching style and the culture in their classroom, let them give it a go because you'll you may be very surprised at the potential that's there that you're missing out on.
0: So here's the thing: the story of your book, of your experience, that clearly has shaped how you look at things. And for those of you who who maybe missed the missed the intro to this when you're talking about not giving a test, we're not talking about middle school or elementary school. We're talking about you're a high school teacher, um, because often high school gets the, the rap of test, 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 and learning somewhere gets caught in or gets lost in the shuffle of making sure you're, you're testing. So that's one of the really interesting things. Keeping that in mind, the idea of your journey, what is it you absolutely love about teaching?
2: It is potential. It's the potential that I see in my students every day. And it's the potential that I see in myself. I never, never stop. No. Ne- <laughs> if anyone knows me, Google <laughs> me. I never stop. Like, I I know that there is there is more to come. There are better things ahead. And it's for everyone, right? Always keeping that abundance mindset. So potential.
0: Potential. That's a great word. I, I love. The idea of saying the thing you love about it is potential because that's that's continuous improvement and the ability to keep stepping forward. Now, looking at that, what would you say, taking a glance backwards, what would you say to date, because you're always striving for more, what would you say to date is your greatest accomplishment in the classroom?
2: I can't put my finger on anyone. And I know I have behind me, you can see my golden apple. I got a golden Apple award. Yes, you did. Um, Yes, and that is lovely. I was nominated for um, the President's Award for Excellence in Science Teaching. But the thing that really does it is when kids graduate and they come back years later telling me what they have been able to accomplish. And they tell me it's because of me, but I know it's because of them, but it's because I saw their potential. And when maybe they didn't see it for themselves. And there's just so many, so many examples of it that, um, I mean, I could gush over them forever. I'm so proud of all the kids that have come to my classroom.
0: So what does that look like for leaders? And I know it takes a special, it takes a special component of a leader or of a person to say that's what. That's what does it for me. Because there are some people out there, teachers, leaders, anybody, that would stop at the idea of that golden apple and say, hey, look at me. But what you're talking about is more of a selfless thing. So what do you see as a leader being able to do to unlock that potential in teachers that you unlock in students?
2: Something that was really important to me was the teacher-led professional development at my Hmm. school. And it was about the, the curriculum coordinator that said, you know, you're doing some pretty neat things in your classroom. Why don't you help other teachers? Like, do, would you feel comfortable doing a professional development? And that was how I did my first ever professional development was um, curriculum coordinator asking me to help the elementary teachers with science because traditionally elementary teachers are they feel uncomfortable with science because they look, you know, they look at it like, ooh, science. When like, science is all around us, the ice is melting today. That's science. Like, change your mindset about that. So, being able to take the, the teachers that are doing the maybe the, the noisiest great things and put them in front of your staff, and then you'll see the other teachers going, hey, but wait. You know, I I can also do that. I would love to, you know, tell everybody about what I'm doing. And eventually you end up with a whole community of people that are just willing to share. And the silos will come down. the, The doors will start to open.
0: That's so true with what you're saying about the silos coming down. Because it's funny that you say science is all around us. I could walk down the hallway, run into a math teacher, And the math teacher says, what are you talking about? There's math all around us. You talk to a history teacher and they say, you're living history right now. And so every discipline we look at in a school, because oftentimes high schools do get siloed unless people purposefully break those down. But everybody in those silos say the same thing that you just said, that their subject matter is all around us. So it's almost on leaders as their responsibility, um, in my opinion, anyways, to break those silos down and to make sure that people are able to mix the disciplines because they are mixed together.
2: Yeah. It's the opportunities and seeing that they're there. So even a conversation that I was having with my principals the other day was about how, if we just would take post-it notes or a jam board and just talk about like, what's the, what are the topics that science teachers are talking about and line those up. And then what are the topics that, social studies teachers are line are talking about and line those up and then see where they where's the, where's their crossover. I think the, the thing that has typically been the barrier between thinking about it and going from the idea to being an actual thing is the timing. When you think about, well, I don't teach world war two until after Christmas break and, you know, right. Right. there has to be more flexibility you know that that i don't know if that would come from teachers or from the um administrators but just being able to take your your curriculum units and just to, like turn them into movable modules it doesn't have to be in the same order i haven't taught biology in the same order ever yeah. not sometimes i don't even teach it in the same order for two concurrent classes and like, it right. just doesn't work
0: out that way and, and it's funny because it do, that does take flexibility on both parties' part, right You mentioned teachers and administrators. I remember teaching and changing my teaching when I was teaching history and taught it backwards and used the event at the at the closest time in history and then drew lines backwards from that event as to why that event occurred as yeah. a way to show that. So the idea that teachers can teach units out of sequence. And leaders can let that happen. I think that's just a matter of perspective and and stepping out of that comfort zone.
2: Yeah, right. Like, what is the theme? One year I did, the theme was about being connected. So the units for biology just went according to how things are connected, not according to what chapter comes first.
0: Right, right. And uh, uh, anybody listening just got a quick PD on how to organize some interdisciplinary learning and workshops, courtesy of Bonnie, yeah. <laughs>
2: with yeah. the sticky yeah. notes
0: and everything. So thank you for handing that out to people.
2: <laughs> and there's a bonus here, Chris. And I, I, it occurred to me, honestly, on my ride into work today. Because I was thinking, how can we incorporate more, like, how can we get people on board with more cross-curricular Activities because theme is just taking over. Like in the lower grades, not so much at high school. But right. thinking, I want more, more civics and more reading. Why? Why are we always talking about science and math? And when we need to incorporate more of the humanities, so some reading and some civics. And I thought, if we take science, civics, reading, engineering, art, and math, we get scream. <laughs>
0: perfect there you go that that fits right in
2: everyone's on board with that
0: right clearly marketable especially this year Yeah. <laughs> yep. so, no that's um so let me ask this let me go to the other side of that the the flip side of the coin because we're talking about a lot of things and cool things and you've already given out some great advice or steps to take to do some of these things what's a time you didn't do well as a teacher one of those low moments and the reason i asked this is because it's important for people listening to this podcast to hear or admit to themselves that we all have low moments. The idea is not to live in them forever to come out of them, but more importantly, how can we help others come out of them? So I'm a leader. I have Bonnie as a teacher in the school and I need to make sure that I'm getting her out of her low point or keeping her from getting into that. Have any advice for leaders?
2: First of all, give people time to really reflect and maybe even not so much just reflect on their own classroom, but look at get into other people's classrooms. If you have to cover a class for a half hour or so, just do that. And I think there are a lot of administrators that already do, but then the time to debrief about what, what was it like, have a, have a clear idea in your head when you go into someone's class and say, I'm going to go in there because I want to see how does Mr. Jones open up his classroom? Like what's the first thing he does? And it could be any even as much as what do you what do you call it? Did you call it a do now or a warm-up? I mean, that that's okay. That's kind of lame. You could do better than that. You can call it a video yeah. up or a kickoff, you know, depending on who the kids are in front of you. And then how does that set the tone? for the class and what do the transitions look like because sometimes it's better to go into someone's class who doesn't even teach your same content area because you get so wrapped up in how they're teaching the content the thing that really matters is the flow and the routine because kids all people thrive with the routine
0: right you know? right it
2: doesn't mean doing the same thing over and over it just means having an expectation. Kids, kids really do best when they know what to expect when they walk into a classroom.
0: Yeah, it takes away any surprises and it it lowers levels of anxiety. If if a student walks into a classroom and they know that the first thing they do is this or this type of thing, and then the second thing they move to is usually something that has to do with this type of activity, that really loosens it up. And it also allows people to make different connections with students um, by noticing what they what they value more or what works for them more. And a lot of a lot of good teaching comes from connections, but I would argue also that's where being a good leader comes from, is connecting with the teachers and knowing what lowers those levels of anxiety and kind of creating a routine to the building for for teachers.
2: Yeah, that is absolutely right. And nothing and I don't need to tell administrators this, but nothing is more upsetting than a impromptu staff meeting at two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. (laughs) Like I, we know you think it's important, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that, that's not part of our routine. So it, it does shake things, shake things up a bit.
0: You, so. you mean to tell me that what I'm saying isn't so important that at 12, I can't just say, hey, impromptu staff meeting at the end of the day? You mean that's not interesting to people?
2: No, I suppose <laughs> it would be worth, for the shock value, like, oh, I can't wait to see. This is, this better be good. <laughs>
0: right, right, Yeah, um, message to leaders. If you call an impromptu staff meeting, it better be, it better include fireworks, maybe free food, <laughs> um, something of that.
2: Yes. Free food. Absolutely.
0: And Amazon gift cards. And Amazon gift cards are always good. (laughs) You mentioned, you know, it's the idea of impromptu and planning that all kind of ties into respect and valuing people or valuing what people value. I've tried this, but, you know, I'm not I'm not perfect at this as far as timelines, but everything's announced. People know what's coming up and things like that. But I was talking to a leader and they said they have their meetings and anything that is inside of 30 days into the future never gets changed. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, but I couldn't imagine. And she said it's, it's an untouchable. So she meets with her admin team and they have their 60 days out and 30 days out that they talk about things coming up. But after it hits that 30 day, it almost has to be an act of God to change something on the schedule.
2: So, yeah, so meetings, you're saying?
0: Um, Meetings, events, everything. Now, I mean, we put out meetings. Meetings don't change. The only way I'll change a meeting, and we were just talking this pre-show, is if it's to the benefit of the teachers, if it's taking less time away from the teachers. So if I have a staff meeting planned, which that comes out a year in advance, all our meetings come out a year in advance. If I have a staff meeting planned, And it's getting up to that staff meeting. And as I'm putting the agenda together, looking at what's going to be valuable or what we're going to discuss or learn in the staff meeting, because please, I believe leaders should not have staff meetings unless it's something useful and that cannot be conveyed in an email. If it's not going to be useful, I find it almost insulting to the teachers to have them come to that staff meeting and have a blah, blah, blah blah type of staff meeting. So like this last one, I moved it back two weeks and I switched it out so that it kind of took them off the hook, but still gave them, um, and I replaced another meeting with it. So I didn't just add another meeting, but I think, I think it's important that leaders value teachers time if they're going to be doing things like that.
2: Yeah. And I understand the value of routines and respecting people's time, but everyone has to be flexible. There is some room for flexibility. And if something Needs to be changed. Like perhaps there's something that just needs to be addressed. It could be maybe an optional meeting or something like that, not not mandatory unless it was absolutely something critical.
0: Right, right. And boy, flexibility is key. We've learned that this year that things change at the drop of a hat. My assistant principal has has really taken a liking to my phrase about trying to solve all the issues that come up is like trying to nail jello to a tree. Just. Things keep changing, and so as a leader, I find myself talking to teachers and saying, "Please, please, just understand flexibility, flexibility, flexibility in communication." Yes,
2: uh-huh. I think maybe maybe this year we should all have the title of educational contortionist.
0: There you go. See, look at you. You know, you you already gave a routine for how to. Do interdisciplinary stuff, and now you're giving out new vocabulary words. Check you out.
2: (laughs) The screaming contortionist.
0: The the screaming contortionist. You know, that should be in your bio, screaming contortionist.
2: (laughs) Asking me about why I'm a screaming contortionist. (laughs) Yes.
0: So, speaking of flexibility and contortionist, I'm going to, I want to take a break real quick just to hear from some of the sponsors of this show. And then uh, we'll, come, we'll come right back and, and talk about the idea of flexibility, the importance of flexibility, and some reflection, because you had mentioned the importance of reflecting. So we'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the place out-of-the-box leaders in education turn to to grow their leadership skills. Maybe you're interested in making better decisions, creating your idea week, or building a world-class culture. Learn more at BetterLeadersBetterSchools.com That's BetterLeadersBetterSchools.com I use Anchor to distribute the seeing-to-lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Bonnie, and we had... We had mentioned you know, some of the ideas of respecting people's time and, and uh, communication and things like that. But what we had mentioned earlier, Bonnie had mentioned earlier, is the idea of reflecting and the importance of reflecting and debriefing. So along those lines, Bonnie, for those people who are new to teaching or leading, for that matter, who want to spend some reflective time on their own practice because they, they're to the point where they realize it's important, but maybe they're stuck on how to start or how to effectively reflect and get something out of it. What might be some important questions or strategies you'd recommend for them?
2: So I think the the very first thing is you need to hopefully have a really clear set of values and they can change over time. Like I know mine have, but ha- making sure that what you're doing is true to your values and to your purpose. And the re- being more reflective has changed the trajectory of my personal life and of my career. So, and I feel so strongly about it that I put a, a free template, a free reflective journal template into my book, which um, I didn't mean to plug. I'm I'm very bad at self-promotion because I feel like people will organically come to where they need to be. But the, the questions that I ask myself every day are my journal includes the first thing is today what am I grateful for put yourself in a in a great mindset even if you had the worst day that you can remember there's something today that you can find to be grateful for and then think about one win and one wonder and then usually you can put those two things together and say wouldn't it be awesome if what, you know, how can you put those two things together? It might not happen today or tomorrow, might not happen a year from now, but it just, that has always driven me when I, when I think of one thing that happened, right? One thing that was awesome by accident, and I want to make it awesome on purpose. That's literally how the book came to be. And then the next thing I ask myself is what's one thing that I would do differently, and yeah, one thing that I'd like
0: to do more of. Boy, those, those last two are right on point. The differently and then more of. And just because you're modest, I'm gonna plug your book, Be Awesome on Purpose. Because by reflecting, you're purposefully trying to make yourself awesome. So, and you, know, you even give them that in the book. So one more plug for the book. But do you have, so you, you have these questions that you ask yourself and say, I'm new to this and I sit down with my questions, I am ready to go. And it takes me a half an hour. Maybe I don't have a half an hour or I feel like, oh, this is taking me too long. I don't have time to reflect now, which is which is something that happens. People say, I don't have time. Do you have a routine? Do you do it in the morning? Do you do it in the night? Do you, what's your routine for reflecting?
2: So my routine, it started out just out of desperation where at the end of the day i would shut the lights off in my classroom and put my head down on my desk and go man what a day <laughs> you know so that's when i do it as yeah. soon as the kids leave while well, everything's fresh in my mind but there are other times where sometimes i'm driving home and just shut the radio off I just run my day through my head like yeah. what are the things what is what is the best thing about what happened today and how can I make that happen again tomorrow, next week, next year? And, you know, just little, little bits of quiet time.
0: Now, do you write stuff down? Do you, do you write your reflections down or do you just do it in your head?
2: I do it in my head, which okay. I know I, I, should, I should be writing them down, but I, I can't write as fast as I can think. So I think it would just cause me to write less if I pressured myself to writing it down.
0: Yeah, and you know, the time thing's the time thing's very real. I truly value reflection time to where I have scheduled. I'm, I'm into block scheduling and um, making sure I'm, I'm, I'm getting things done that way, but I schedule thinking time into my day and I schedule a half an hour just to kind of stop and pick something just to think on. Whether it's a problem I have to solve at work, whether it's something that I'm trying to solve with my personal life, But the reflection piece is very important, and I used to try and do it, and notice the words used to try, Um, used to try and do it both morning and evening, and now I find it's easier to do it in the morning. I find that kind of life gets in the way, because once I get home, all bets are off, right? I'm, I'm a family guy, and then to stay up later afterwards and reflect, it just doesn't happen on a consistent basis, so... Do you think there's any certain amount of time people should spend reflecting or is anything okay?
2: Yeah, I think anything is okay. And wh- why set limits to yourself? Why set expectations that would just potentially be discouraging and cause you not to do it the next time? Like any minute that you have, you should be grateful for, right? Like even if, even if you're, let's say the the kids leave, because this has happened to me, the kids leave class at two o'clock and staff meeting convenes at 2.10. Well. Usually I give myself 15 or 20 minutes. Today, I only have 10. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kick myself over it. That, that's what I've got for today. And, you know, it doesn't stop me from doing it again the next time.
0: So just the idea of reflecting, that's the win.
2: Yep. Yep. You got it. And no, perfect. It. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely huge. I have two
0: questions left that I want to ask you. And that's, that's besides any conversation that branches off of them.
2: I'll try to be
0: succinct. No, you don't have to be. It's all right. That wasn't a hint in any way. But uh, if you were not a teacher, who, not what would you be?
2: Oh, my gosh. I would be the person with a yard full of animals.
0: (laughs) All right. You got to tell us more than that. (laughs) That raises all kinds of other questions. (laughs) Go ahead.
2: I would be... um, yeah, the person that is just always taking care of the the animals that no one takes care of. I, I that's the best I can do. This is this is hard. This this one's really hard. I have a really hard time separating Bonnie the person from Bonnie the educator. It, it, it's near impossible.
0: So what you see is what you get with Bonnie.
2: Oh, that that's true. And even, I mean, everything, even like my husband and I were watching TV and I take it, poor guy, an hour a day I take to watch TV with him. And he so we're watching and with an E is the new show we're watching. And there was this um a new teacher that comes into the school and she's unconventional and everyone in the neighborhood, everyone in their community is upset about the teacher. And my husband said, That's so you. Like, see, you can't even separate them, right?
0: Yeah. So no, so that did raise another question with Bonnie. What you see is what you get. Now, Bonnie asked the teacher, "How important and why is it for your leader to have that same approach? What you see is what you get."
2: Oh, critically important, absolutely, and. That's why I teach in the place that I do, because it's, I seek out people like that to work with that, understand what it's like to be all in like, this isn't, this isn't the job that I just took because I needed a paycheck or I wanted summers off. This is what I do. And what I am. Some people might think that that's sort of sad. Like that's, All that's all you are as a teacher? Like, no, everything I am as a teacher, it's different. And for someone to be an administrator, it's important to be the all in educator and lead learner in the school. That is like like you do, putting teachers at the center, because when the teachers can be at the center, then they can put the students at the center. It 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 does trickle down. It doesn't work in economics, but it works in education.
0: <laughs> you are just dropping all kinds of wisdom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, let's see when we listen to it back if it sounds so what.
0: No, no, I'm sure people are going to love this. So that's one of the last two questions I ask people. And then the last one, which I think is a really important question, is... And, and again, I, I can't promise because if we go into another question, if you start another question, then we'll talk about that too. But what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers?
2: Listen, just listen. And don't just listen to the words that people say, because people will say things, especially teachers to administrators will say things that they think you want to hear. But ask those probing questions and pay attention to what you hear and the things that you see in the hallways and just the, the general culture of the school, how, how the students feel in the school will tell you a lot about how the teachers feel too. Because if teachers are stressed and they feel like they're extended beyond their their comfort zone, then students will feel that pressure too. So just listen, pay attention to what's happening.
0: So are you telling me that if I, as a leader, want to improve the student experience and student performance, I need to pay attention to the teachers and make sure the teachers like coming to work?
2: Yeah. Isn't that something? (laughs) What? Yeah. And actually... Today in the parent conferences, one of the parents that I met today said, Wow, you're, you're pretty happy for being here at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, Yeah, it's a good thing I love my job. That's that's it. There you go. I love, I love my job. And it's hard to love your job when you're feeling pressure from the people above you, no matter who you are, right? But because we're talking about this, we'll say as a teacher when an administrator walks by, like you shouldn't have to shudder, right. you know? And that, that's a lot of times what does happen. Even when the, as an administrator, if you are just the lead learner, you're going in there to be supportive and cheer your teachers on, sometimes it doesn't get, your signal gets lost and it just seems like extra pressure. And I've Mm. seen administrators really struggle with that, with I'm I'm trying to be supportive and give all of these opportunities. And if teachers feel like they'll be frowned upon for not accepting all the opportunities, you know, or "I, I need to get, you know i need to get this principal to really like me so whatever they throw at me i'm going to take it and the principal's thinking wow that teacher really loves doing all these things i'm going to give him more <laughs> and it just becomes this this vortex of people working way too hard for the wrong reasons so that that's something to look out for
0: yeah that touches on the whole idea of of building trust which then leads to honest, open communication um, and teachers being able to say, look, I, I've i got so much other stuff going on, or I've got A, B, and C. I would really like to help you out, but I've got these other things and I can't do it. And I'd have to imagine that's a, that's a very scary thing for teachers to do to a principal or an assistant principal, unless they have that trust and realize that the principal's not going to look at them differently.
2: And especially new teachers, right? new teachers right. get burnt out They want to jump through every hoop and, you know, they're eager, they're coming in, they want to do what's best for students and they really do run the risk of getting burnt out. So maybe even limiting the amount of opportunities some teachers are able to accept, you know, somehow and respectfully having a conversation saying, you know what, I really appreciate that. These are the things you're willing to do, but rather than do something new, how about You really hone your focus onto something that you did previously, whatever that last PD was. How are you doing with that? How are you following up with that? Because follow through is something that gets missed a lot in education with teachers and students. We We tell kids, you know, prepare for the next test. And we tell teachers, prepare for this next thing, this next initiative that's coming through. But we haven't mastered the first one yet. So we really can't focus and we can't become proficient at all the things at the
0: same time. I'm so glad you said that about limiting. One of the things I was lucky, lucky to learn early on is I said no to a teacher, a new teacher when they asked to do something. And now it wasn't like, can I teach this lesson or something like that? They wanted to be an advisor to a group. And I said to them, I said, you know, you're a new teacher, you're up to your ears in lesson planning, mentor meetings trying to do everything right. Why don't you think about next year and just focus on the stuff with your mentor and making sure you get acclimated to how things really work around the building. And the teacher came back and thanked me at the end of the year and said, I was really I was really stretched out, but I was trying to look like I'm super teacher. So I make sure I nail down the job. So that's an important thing. And the other piece you talked about was making sure that, you know, if teachers like working there, I always say that it's funny. I always say when I talk about being teacher centered, because I get that sideways look from other leaders, like, what do you mean you're not student centered? I always say, look, if I want the teachers to be happy coming into the building, I'm not looking for cartwheels on Monday morning. But if a teacher is sitting there Sunday night and says, well, yeah, I've got work tomorrow instead of, oh God, it's Sunday night. Where did Sunday go? Tomorrow's Monday morning. You know what I'm talking about. That's all I want because then there's no way the students don't benefit. So I'm glad that you, you said it much better than I ever could. (laughs) So I'm glad you did, but um, I appreciate so many of the things you said today because there was a lot you said for both teachers and leaders um, and some strategies and things like that. And I'm sure people are going to want to get in touch with you and especially check out that book. So, how can they best do that? How can they best get in touch with you, talk to you?
2: Yeah, so the place where I I used to spend most of my time is Twitter, where I am at biology goddess on Twitter. And I'm starting to lean toward Instagram a little bit now. So, I have an Instagram which is be awesome on purpose. And then there's Clubhouse. So that's oh. me. You'll find me biology goddess on um, Clubhouse. I'm there nearly twenty four seven, except for the one hour that I take out to watch Ian with an E.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, what I'll do is I'll I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. I'll link all that stuff up in the show notes, and I'll link up your your be awesome on purpose. And you know, I mean, it won't be linked because it's not there yet. But as soon as it goes live, I'll I'll go back and make sure I link it up. So yeah, that's so that's it. I I. Thank you for coming on today. I think there's a lot in, in what you said that we could probably unpack and do another episode on, but maybe that's for a future date or season two. Yeah,
2: or maybe you could come onto my podcast.
0: I, I would do that. Did you, did you just call me out at the end of my podcast? <laughs> I did. You can edit that
2: out if you want to.
0: No, I'll leave it in. There's no editing. That's all right. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we'll talk offline about that.
2: All right, perfect.
0: All right. Thanks for coming on, Bonnie. I really appreciate it. Hi, right,
2: thanks for having me, Chris.
0: Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step. Be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway learn more at drcsjones.blog continue to improve and go have a successful week
1: and now a quick word from our sponsor jigsaw learning whether you lead at the school district or division level you're serving a wide array of students and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca.
0: There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, FlexTime enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of FlexTime without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your FlexTime work for you visit myflexlearning.com/b to learn more and receive $500 off your first year that's myflexlearning.com/be